Hey, welcome to the Urantia Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Jim Watkins, and this is part three of a three-part series, so a conclusion to our discussion about Paper 195, in which we're talking about the various ideologies that mankind is struggling with in the modern day, and some insights provided to us by the Revelators in the second-to-last paper of the Arantia book. I know you'll enjoy it. We've covered materialism, the vulnerabilities of materialism, secular totalitarianism, which we covered in the last podcast, and finally, we get to the final chapter of Paper 195, and it's entitled Christianity's Problem. And what could that be? We'll talk about that in just a second here. I also want to thank you for stopping by, and if you ever have a comment or a question or if there's a certain paper that you'd like us to, to address, perhaps, feel free to email us anytime, Radio at gmail.com. And I promise always to reply. Welcome back to another edition of the Urantia Radio podcast. My name is Jim Watkins. It's good to be here. I feel a sense of liberty today that I haven't felt in a long time. And I've been spending so much time lately pondering the Paper 195 series that we've been doing. And I've also been reading some incredible writings from this gentleman that I think I mentioned on the last podcast by the name of Chuck Thurston. And Chuck is a longtime Urantia book reader. And, uh, and, and you may have run across his writings. I know that he does write for various Urantia organizations and publications. But some of his stuff is just pretty, uh, pretty profound. And, I do, and we did connect, and he is going to IC23, so he'll be there. And I hope it's okay for me to mention that. And then when he comes back, we're going to have him come on. And, he, and much of his writings that I've read has to do with the current times. And the the Caligastia role in some of the things that's going on, and, and and maybe some of the things that are not have anything to do with the rebellion, but have to do with just the way that the Earth, the direction that the Earth is going into, and, and some of the reasons why. But he also, and this is what's really fascinating. And if you're a longtime Urantia book reader, uh, you know when you read about the history Melchizedek. And what he did with the covenant that he made with Abraham and then the subsequent history. Uh, Chuck does a really good job at breaking down what, how that period ended up affecting the bestowal of Michael. And then even today with what we have. And the thing that's interesting is we are in the possession of an incredible revelation. An incredible revelation. This is an epic revelation. And we are the early adapters of this revelation. So into our hands comes this great privilege. The challenge is that we're in a world that isn't quite ready to hear much of what the Arantia book has to say about a spiritual kingdom, uh, who inhabit, who inhabits it, what they do, the history of, of the Trinity, the evolution of the universe. All of these things are, are just really profound religious ideals, but we live in an age that is not very religious. Or at least the people that are in charge don't seem to be utilizing the strengths of religion, which is what we've been talking about. In paper 195, which is entitled After Pentecost, we went through materialism, 
we went through the vulnerabilities of materialism. And then in the last uh, segment, I think it was section eight, uh, the revelators went over the dangers of secular totalitarianism. And, and all of these are uh, warnings to, from our revelators, the authors of this book. And in this case, it's the Midway Commission. And they're trying to tell us that in order for us to move in the right direction, we're going to have to make some changes. And these changes are necessary. Otherwise, we're going to fall victim to our own nihilistic, materialistic tendencies. And so now we want to focus on Section 9, and it is entitled in that same paper, 195, Christianity's Problem. And, and it's, uh, if you're a Christian, it, you know, it could, it could offend you. I don't think it will. I'm a Christian, and it doesn't offend me. I mean, I, I've always considered myself a Christian, uh, in, in, or Jesusonian, or uh, am I a follower of the Master's teachings? Absolutely. Do I think he's the son of God? Absolutely. So why wouldn't I qualify as a, as a Christian? Right? So I, I'm looking at this and saying, okay, what can I do about my own religion and make it more attractive to other people? Because if we're going through a spiritual abyss, and they're trying to say you can't do that, if you become a, an unspiritualized society, there's going to be all kinds of havoc and much of it you're seeing today. What was the last line in the preceding paragraph, the section on secular totalitarianism? The very last line says, and this is only the beginning of the dire harvest of materialism and secularism. Still more terrible destruction is yet to come. And they also talk about how the first third of the 20th century, your ancients killed more human beings than were killed during the, the whole of the Christian dispensation up to that time. And now we're hearing about all these things that are going on culturally, the crime, drug addiction. We just saw Sounds of Freedom last weekend. It's shocking to learn that there's more slavery, more human slavery now than there was during the time of slavery. Uh, there, a lot of things are wrong, and I don't mean to be a pessimist, but what the revelators are telling us and what they have been telling us for a hundred years is that a society can no longer be held together without God than a solar system without gravity. And and what is God anyway? God is an idea, as we talked about the supreme being. The plan of the supreme is, is in motion, and we are participating in that process. God's already got a project for us. And too many people today have their own projects, and um, they're going to have one short life to accomplish that if they want to go on their own way and go rogue, but that's not the plan. And, and so we all know that God's will is service, serve others as you would like to be treated, treat people with respect, love your neighbor, love your enemy. These are the basic truths that teach us that Christ taught, and they are still relevant today. He still attracts people. And yet, despite this, the world hates Christianity. Many parts of the world, it is a death sentence. Why is that? Well, let's take a look at that. In Section 9 of Paper 195, it says, 
Do not overlook the value of your spiritual heritage, the river of truth running down through the centuries, even to the barren times of a materialistic and secular age. In all your worthy efforts to rid yourself of the superstitious creeds of past ages, make sure that you hold fast the eternal truths. Uh, But be patient. When the present superstition revolt is over, the, the truth of Jesus' gospel will persist gloriously to illuminate a new and better way. The present superstition revolt, that's scientism asserting over faith. That's the ideological struggle today is scientism, which is, as we discussed in the earlier paper, uh, materialism, is this notion that only the material is real and everything else is relative. The Urantia book writers affirm that reality is threefold. It is mind, it is matter, and it is spirit. Those are three parallels of the same, and they constitute total or the totality of reality. Science doesn't allow for that postulate. And that's why we're having the problems that we have today, because it has orphaned the human spirit. It's basically said the human spirit is not real. It is a psychological problem that can be treated And that's from the uh, secularist side. And then you've got the other older religions that are antagonistic against this particular brand, which is the religion of Jesus. Love thy neighbor, love thyself, worship thy God, have a personal relationship with the loving Father, go about doing good. That's God's will. Okay, so let me continue on. But paganized and socialized Christianity stands in need of new contact with the uncompromised teachings of Jesus. It languishes for lack of a new vision of the Master's life on earth. A new and fuller revelation of the religion of Jesus is destined to conquer an empire of materialistic secularism and to overthrow a world sway of mechanistic naturalism. Urantia is now quivering on the very brink of one of its most amazing and enthralling epics of social readjustment moral quickening, and spiritual enlightenment. The teachings of Jesus, even though greatly modified, survive the mystery cults of their birth time, the ignorance and the superstition of the Dark Ages, and are even now slowly triumphing uh, triumphing over the materialism, mechanism, and secularism of the 20th century. And such times of great testing and threatened defeat are always times of great revelation." Religion does not need does need new leaders, spiritual men and women who will dare to depend solely on Jesus and his incomparable teachings. If Christianity persists in neglecting its spiritual mission while it continues to busy itself with social and material problems, the spiritual renaissance must await the coming of these new teachers of Jesus' religion who will be exclusively devoted to the spiritual regeneration of men. And then will these spirit-born souls quickly supply the leadership and inspiration requisite for the social, moral, economic, and political reorganization of the world. The modern age will refuse to accept a religion which is inconsistent with facts and out of harmony with the highest conceptions of truth, beauty, and goodness. 
the hour is striking for a rediscovery of the true and original foundation of present-day distorted and compromised Christianity, the real life and teachings of Jesus. Primitive men and man lived a life of superstitious bondage to religious fear. Modern civilized men dread the thought of falling under the dominance of strong religious convictions. Thinking man has always feared to be held by a religion. When a strong and moving religion threatens to dominate him, he invariably tries to rationalize, traditionalize, and institutionalize it thereby hoping to gain control of it. By such a procedure, even a revealed religion becomes man-made and man-dominated. Modern men and women of intelligence evade the religion of Jesus because of their fears of what it will do to them and with them. And all such fears are well-founded. The religion of Jesus does indeed dominate and transform its believers, demanding that men dedicate their lives to seeking for a knowledge of the will of the Father in heaven and requiring that the energies of living be consecrated to the unselfish service of the brotherhood of man. Selfish men and women simply will not pay such a price for even the greatest spiritual treasure ever offered mortal man. Only when man has become sufficiently disillusioned by the sorrowful disappointments attendant upon the foolish, and deceptive pursuits of selfishness, and subsequent to the discovery of the barrenness of formalized religion, will he be disposed to turn wholeheartedly to the gospel of the kingdom, the religion of Jesus of Nazareth. The world needs more first-hand religion. Even Christianity, the best of the religions of the 20th century, is not only a religion about Jesus, but it is so largely one which men experience secondhand. They take their religion wholly as handed down by their accepted religious, uh, religious teachers. What an awakening the world would experience if it could only see Jesus as he really lived on earth and know firsthand his life-giving teachings. Descriptive words of things beautiful cannot thrill like the sight thereof. Neither can creedal words inspire men's soul like the experience of knowing the presence of God. But expectant faith will ever keep the hope door of man's soul open for the entrance of the eternal spiritual realities of the divine values of the worlds beyond. And that is the difference, really, between the secular world here and now point of view. But when we think about it, and this was also discussed in our previous section, that these, these revelators of light are saying, you need to expand your view of, of reality. And it's not just what happens in your you know, 60, 70, 80 years of life on earth. There is something more. And what you do here determines the fate to a large degree of how you progress, if you progress on that eternal journey. Now, it's not a litmus test, but they're saying that the only way that we can get there so that we don't suffer under the materialistic fetters of being finite creatures is through our mind, which is attached to the Spirit of God. And it carries us to that next threshold. And it is a requirement that we and our will embrace that idea of eternal values, the spiritual kingdom, 
or whatever you want to call it, heaven, the afterlife. Uh, one man described it as an elevator where you get in, get off one floor and you get on another. It's all kinds of ways to look at it, but the important thing is the concept of the life everlasting and that this universe is not just a haphazard, random causation event. There's a, there's a plan going on. There's something in action, and we are a part of that process. We'll, we'll conclude with these final words. Christianity has dared to lower its ideals before the challenge of human greed, war madness, and the lust for power. But the religion of Jesus stands as the unsullied and transcendent spiritual summons, calling to the best there is in man to rise above all these legacies of animal evolution and by grace attain the moral heights of true human destiny. Christianity Christianity is threatened by slow death from formalism, over-organization, intellectualism, and other non-spiritual trends. The modern Christian church is not such a brotherhood of dynamic believers as Jesus commissioned continuously to affect the spiritual transformation of successive generations of mankind. So-called Christianity has become a social and cultural movement as well as a religious belief and practice. The stream of modern Christianity drains many an ancient pagan swamp and many a barbarian morass. Many old and cultural watersheds drain into this present-day cultural stream, as well as the high Galilean tablelands, which are supposed to be its exclusive source. I've said before on, on these podcasts that uh, Christianity is very much like a Christmas tree. Uh, the Christmas tree itself is a symbol of many pagan and religious uh, events or societies of the past. And there's a little bit of everything, a little bit of, of man's search for religious truth in a Christmas tree. Everything represents something. Here's what I'll say to you now. In the next section, which we'll save for the next episode, we're going to explore the future. Section 10. It's the final section in paper 195. And it gives us a roadmap to the future. And I know you're going to enjoy it. I thank you for stopping by. It's always a pleasure here. It's always a pleasure. And I do hope that you will share this podcast. I told you last time that we have surpassed the six-figure mark. Over six, over 100,000 people have downloaded this podcast. Isn't that amazing? That means that people's interest in the Urantia book is growing, and I am so happy. So thank you. Email me, urantiabookradio at gmail.com if you want to reach out. And I look forward to our next get-together. There's a song called Avalon, which is done by Roxy Music, and I just... I just love it. I think it's a great way to end the segment. I hope you enjoy it. <laughs>